0: blog talk
1: radio you're listening to starseed radio academy empowering starseed to better serve the planet Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. And Lavendar will be back on the show two weeks from tonight. We have had a great response for our next Starseed quest to Arkansas for August Harmonic Convergence, which will be um, August 16th through the 19th, but we still have a handful of spots available. This is a soul family reunion, and all Starseeds with at least one galactic marking are eligible to attend. And gathering with other Starseeds brings activations to higher levels and puts Starseeds on a fast track with their missions. So if that sounds like what you're looking for, write, to crystals at starseedhotline.com, and we'll give you more information. Our special guest this evening is Jill K. Thomas, CHT. Jill is an intuitive hypnotherapist, past life regression therapist, clairvoyant reader, author, medium, and vocal channel, and her mission is to help clients move past limiting beliefs, discover their authentic selves, and create a life of peace and harmony. Jill has helped thousands of people realize lifestyle and wellness goals they never could before uh, achieve, including losing weight, overcoming debilitating phobias, healing toxic relationships, enhancing athletic performance, and attracting prosperity and success. Among her many accomplishments, Her most recent book, Tales from the Trance, published by Ozark Mountain Publishing, has received rave reviews from audiences and critics alike. Jill has also authored and published her well-known weight loss books, Feed Your Real Hunger, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. She has appeared on numerous radio shows and maintains her popular online blog, Confessions of a Hypnotherapist, And um, she has also um, her website, which you can visit, which is Soul Connect Hypnotherapy. Make sure I get that right. SoulConnectHypnotherapy.com. And there you can also find her blog at SoulConnectHypnotherapy.com forward slash blog. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Jill. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices so you know what's coming up if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. If you have a birthday coming up, Don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least four months ahead of your birthday, because it's best if you get it before your 10 hours, and we do have a waiting list. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful (laughs) Starseed News. Oh, and oh, sorry, I was, so, I was so tickled about having the applause, I forgot to open your mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you okay. would have heard me
0: laughing. You know, it's just so humorous. I just start b- laughing every time you do that. I think it's so cute. Thanks yeah. so much. Well, oh, it's yeah. darling. Laughter's great. Well, Laughter's great. Uh, <laughs> it is great. It just makes you laugh. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, we've had a solar eclipse in South America today. There were thousands of sky watchers that gathered together to witness this solar eclipse. It began in this Pacific. Uh, the Pacific. The 6,000-mile-long band of darkness carved its way across areas of both Chile and Argentina. Now, tickets that cost approximately $2,000 uh, apiece piece sold out in three minutes for the privilege of watching the eclipse alongside astronomers at the European Southern Observatory high in the Atkama Desert. Now, this continent, the South American continent, is also expected to see the world's next total solar eclipse, this time on the 14th of December in 2020, next year. Well, the Dalai Lama has made news, interestingly enough. Here's the story. What do you think? The headline is that the Dalai Lama is deeply sorry for remarks about women. The Dalai Lama has apologized for controversial remarks about the possibility of a woman succeeding him. Speaking to the BBC last month, the Tibetan spiritual leader said that any future female Dalai Lama should be attractive. But in a statement from his office, uh, he apologized for his words, suggesting that he had been joking. He said he is deeply sorry that people have been hurt by what he said and offers his sincere apologies. Now, In this interview, uh, the Dalai Lama, who is 84, touched on topics including U.S. President Donald Trump, his dreams of returning to Tibet, and refugees. But it was his comments on the prospect of a female Dalai Lama that raised eyebrows. And here's what he said, quote, If a female Dalai Lama comes, she should be more attractive, end quote. He said this in English while he was laughing. Now, editorial note from Anastasia, to me that seems like a rather funny joke. But the statement, again, apologized for any offense that he caused. Uh, it also goes on to say that the Dalai Lama has a keen sense of the contradictions between the materialistic, globalized world that he encounters on his travels and the complex, more esoteric ideas about reincarnation that are at the heart of Tibetan Buddhist tradition However, it sometimes happens that off-the-cuff remarks, which might be amusing in one cultural context, lose their humor in translation when brought into another. He regrets any offense that might have been given. Now, throughout his life, the Dalai Lama has opposed the objectification of women and supported gender equality. Uh, It goes on to say that he appreciates many of those who leave their countries uh, that don't want to go back to their countries. This was a comment in which he said, he was explaining his comment to the European Union that refugees probably should go home. And, of course, that caused an uproar as well. He also did not apology, apologize excuse me, for his comments on Mr. Trump, who he said had a, quote, lack like of moral principle, end quote. All right. Well, we had a, an extremely large, rare tornado that hit southern Taiwan, hurt several people, destroyed some houses. More than 7,000 households were left without power in two villages in southern Taiwan after a tornado ripped through the area uh, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Very rare a tornado in Taiwan. And, um, wow, well, in Siberia. Siberia's been making the news a bit recently. I think it's probably because they're populating it. Anyway, uh, there have been seven people dead and thousands of people out of their homes because severe flooding uh, has has, uh, happened in uh, Siberia. Uh, This has been caused by torrential rains that came into the area last week. Water levels uh, of some rivers quickly rose to more than two meters. State of emergency was declared with about 3,300 homes flooded, 10,000 people affected. Uh, 30,000 people were cut off from emergency electrical electricity supplies, and roads were, were damaged as well. Uh, photographs on the Internet show that a lot of houses are submerged or nearly submerged with just the rooftops showing. And, uh, boy, in this headline is interesting and it's kind of concerning. Insect apocalypse. Bug watchers sound the alarm. Well, Insects can you can you imagine are two thirds of all terrestrial species. If you've ever taken a biology class and they talk about how many bugs they are in, there are in the world, they'll tell you if all of the bugs could just hold still and stop and you could stack them up, they'd be way up, probably shoulder high, maybe even over your head. But these bugs now, all of the bugs in the world the most, we think they'll never end, there's an infinite amount of them. Well, they've been dying off at alarming rates. And they say that this can have disastrous impacts on food chains and all of habitats. Now, in February, there was an entomologist in Holland that published the first uh, study, uh, or actually it was a a synthesis of 73 studies, um, on bug studies around the world over the last 40 years. And he listed places from Costa Rica to southern France. And these researchers calculated that over 40% of the insect species are threatened with extinction. And and every year, about 1% is added to this list. Uh, They say that the main drivers appear to be habitat loss and land conversion to intensive agriculture and urbanization, followed by pollution, mainly from pesticides and fertilizers, plus invasive species and climate change. They go on to say we only became aware of the seriousness of this decline back in 2011, and every year since then we have seen it get worse. The total biomass of flying insects has plummeted by 76%. And they wrote the conclusion is clear. Unless we change our ways of producing food, insects as a whole will go down the path of extinction in a few decades. Holy moly.
1: That's not very Holy long. Moly.
0: No, it isn't. It isn't. And, and as I do the research for this program, I pull up uh, current events in the environment and earth changes, and it just seems like there is a perfect storm brewing, truly. Here's a case in point. Oyster fishermen along uh, the New Orleans uh, coast, or actually in Mississippi, this is an, a story out of New, New Orleans, uh, oyster fishermen are saying that 100% of what they dredge up is coming up Dead which is not only a serious hit to their livelihoods, but it could have lasting impact for years to come. Uh, some farmers are blaming a bloom of blue-gre- blue-green algae, uh, but they're not saying of the definitive cause. There was no uh, That's what the farmers are thinking. But. Now, a spokesman with the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries says oysters die because the uh, river watersheds are flooding that this crisis is only beginning for the oyster industry because the flood flooding is going to increase the algae. They are saying this is worse than the BP contamination because now there is no oyster reproduction. Take many years to rebuild oyster farms. And the Department of Wildlife Fisheries said that for public waters, uh, harvesting is down 80%. And uh, for Louisiana, the Governor requested a federal fisheries disaster relief. This brand new to me i had I had no idea, so the price of oysters will probably go way up if you like oysters and um, There was a severe hailstorm in Guadalajara, Mexico. You might have heard this; I think it may have made mainstream news uh, it, that isn 't where I got it, but uh, Maybe you don't know about this, but Guadalajara, Mexico, got five feet of hail. A heavy ah. a rain and hailstorm affected the municipalities of Guadalajara around, uh, in the, well, I don't know what time it was, in the afternoon on Sunday. In some streets, the accumulation of hail caused commercial trucks and private vehicles to be stranded, uh, buried up to their roofs, along with reports of fall, fallen trees. There's photographs on the Internet of this hail. Five feet of hail. And then there was a hailstorm that damaged thousands of acres of Minnesota crops. That happened last week. It ruined thousands of acres of corn and soybeans, just ruined them. And in many cases, it's too late in the seasons for farmers to replant. One farmer said that we had corn and bean fields down to the dirt again. They were already growing and mature and wiped right out, right down to the dirt. Uh, and this, these are only two stories out of many. Hail is becoming uh, a topic of interest all over the planet. France has recorded its highest ever temperatures. Europe is melting in a heat wave. Their highest recorded temperature now, almost 115 degrees. They're having a struggle with it. Also in India as well. Uh, Anyway, uh, there was an eruption of a Russian volcano that was dormant for almost 100 years. Now, here's the funny thing about it. This Russian volcano is on an island in the northwest of Japan. Well, it, it, it has been a property of Russia since World War II. It is a little island that is only two square miles wide. It's in the Sea of Oktosh, and it belongs to Russia. But it's in Japan, in the northeast of Japan. And the ash plumes had a lot of sulfur dioxide that rode, rose as much as 43,000 feet which is eight miles, and it was so large, they photographed it from space. So Hmm. a little tiny island northeast of Japan that's owned by Russia that has been dormant for 100 years had such a large eruption, eight miles high, that they could photograph it from space. Wow. Hmm. And they considered it to be dormant, but whoops. And the uh, olakwan volcano has erupted twice in two days in Papua New Guinea. Um, This has been designated as one of the world's most hazardous volcanoes. It happened last Wednesday. Um, It's actually designated as one of the 16 uh, most dangerous volcanoes in the world. It poses a risk of large, violent eruptions. It's done this two times in two days. People have been evacuating. It's been panic stressing emergency services in the area. So uh, that's tough for them. Uh, There was a strong magnitude 6.4 earthquake that struck uh, the northern Mariana Islands. A 6.2 quake hit off the east of Vanatu, uh, also on Kamchatka Island, Russia. They had a really powerful 6.7 quake. That happened last Wednesday after our uh, last broadcast, There was a 6.3 earthquake in Panama. So lots of uh, earthquake and volcanic activity going on right now. And as we turn our, our eyes toward Britain, they have a problem with insects, not having not enough of them in this case, but they are having a multiplication, an increase of Asian hornets. Now these insects, which can grow to almost two inches long, and have very dangerous stingers, have been found in record numbers on the island of Jersey in the U.K. And now they're fighting to contain the spread of these hornets because uh, they're having understandable concerns that they will spread to the mainland. Now, just one of these foreign non-native hornets eats up to 50 bees per day, and they're worried that their impact on honey production will be devastating. There were photographs of those on the Internet as well, and they are enormous. Oh, wow. Well, in the physics department, this is very interesting. This is one of those chin-stroking stories. Physicists discover new optical phenomenon, croissant-shaped twists of light. Well, you know, what do we think we get when we add up a bunch of donuts? And, well, physicists kind of look at it like this, and they're calling this optical phenomenon a croissant. And that is the result of brand-new research that has revealed a never-before-seen property of light called self-torque. This newfound characteristic of photons involves a twisting laser beam that that spins faster and harder, similar to a bit of dirt as it whirls down a drain. Odd behavior was, destri- was described last week in the journal Science. They say that it might help with improved communications technology or novel ways of manipulating microscopic objects. They said, We're always discovering new things in science, but it's not that often that you discover a new fundamental property. So I thought that might interesting, interest the star seeds a torque that spins faster and faster very interesting. You can find out more information on that. You can Google National Geographic, the new optical phenomenon, croissant twists of light. And Hmm. here is a study that indicates uh, scientifically the likelihood that there were lost continents on Earth. Think of Atlantis. What they've done is a new radioactivity model of Earth's ancient rocks is calling into question the current models for the formation of Earth's continental crust, suggesting continents may have risen out of the sea much earlier than previously thought, but have been destroyed, leaving little or no trace. Scientists at the University of Adelaide in Australia have published two studies on a model of rock radioactivity over billions of years, which found that the Earth's continental crust was probably thicker much earlier than models exist today, with present and lost continents possibly present as far back as four billion years. Wow. Really something. Really something. And this is a really inspiring story about women. Indigenous matriarchs stand together in dark times, is the headline. A group of eight North American indigenous elderly women... Fluent in their languages and rich in traditional teachings, have joined forces to protect the sacred knowledge needed for future generations to face a climate in crisis. The Spirit Aligned Leadership Program chose eight women from over 200 applicants all across North America, naming them as legacy leaders, acknowledging their lifelong commitments to their cultures and communities. It is the second circle of legacy leaders who will participate in the fellowship intended to strengthen their sisterhood, share their life teachings, and plan pathways forward. The women are Cherokee, Cheyenne, Ojibwe, Ute, and more. This program was sponsored by the Rockefeller uh, Philanthropy Advisors. They have their offices in Mohawk Territory that straddles Canada and the United States, And this program was made in 2017, they said, to elevate the lives, voices, and dreams of indigenous women elders who are working to heal, strengthen, and restore the balance of indigenous communities. And this uh, program, this group, um, has a a calendar, sort of how to proceed. Uh, This was started two years ago. Uh, They've been mostly in the preparatory stages up until now. This is about the time when they begin to come forward offering programs and uh, uh, sharing their knowledge with their people and others. And I think probably this is why this promotional piece uh, crossed my eye, because now they are photographing them and promoting them, and uh, this work is beginning. They're trying to keep their culture alive and uh, teach about the Native way of honoring the earth. Anybody out there uh, bought an e-book lately? Well, I want to let you know that e-books purchased from Microsoft are going to be deleted this month because you don't really own anything anymore. If you bought e-books through the Microsoft Store, you might be in for a shock in the coming days. Now, the good news is that you can get a refund, but the bad news is all of your books are going to be deleted this month. So be advised paleontologists have discovered a 12-foot bird that lived alongside early human relatives in Europe. Now, almost uh, 2 million years ago, there were giant hyenas, saber-toothed cats and camels that roamed across the European continent, they say maybe with a few early humans. But now they have discovered that this uh, scenario was shared with an enormous bird that was almost, get this, 12 feet tall. They have found the skeleton or found this 12-foot-tall bird, and um, that fossil birds are extremely rare. They have very few of them, and they say that this is a priceless find. Uh, it, they believe it weighed in at a whopping 990 pounds. Uh, and they say that it's three times as much. Uh, it's got to be a lot more than that. That's got to be a typo. Uh, three times as much as its relative today, the ostrich. I don't know how much an ostrich weighs. I've never even thought about it. Could an ostrich weigh 300 pounds? I don't know. I should have thought of that before it got on the air. and anyway, yeah, I, I, I think it could. pounds and 12 feet tall. <clears throat> have you ever seen an ostrich, Ariel, alive, yeah. I mean, you know, real life? Well, I mean, oh, yeah, I've I been know. to the zoo. Yeah, I never saw one, though, so there must be pretty big. Okay, (laughs) last story. Rent is now unaffordable for many U.S. workers. Uh, The National Low-Income Housing Coalition has published its latest out-of-reach report, which shows that renting is becoming increasingly unaffordable for countless Americans. Its central statistic is that the housing wage, which is an estimate of the hourly wage, a full-time worker must earn to rent a home without spending more than 30% of his or her income on housing costs. Now, in 2019, the wage needed to rent a two-bedroom house is almost $23 an hour and almost $19 an hour for a one-bedroom flat on a fair market rent. Now, that is a rental cost guideline that's tied to current real estate selling prices which are also skyrocketing. The price of real estate goes up. The price of rentals go up. That's telling us that the federal minimum wage worker would have to put in 127 hours a week, equivalent to more than two full-time jobs, to afford a two-bedroom apartment. So that is um, really a hardship for a lot of people. Now, let's talk about something happy. When one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which is open for us. And let's try this. The good news is that the moment you decide that what you know is more important than what you've been taught to believe, you will have shifted gears in your quest for abundance. Success comes from within, not from without. And as all the star seeds know, um, what we think, how we project ourselves, energy matters. And as Arielle always says, spiral up. That's the best thing we can do for ourselves and everything around us. Thank you, Arielle. We'll get together again next week. Okay. Well, thank yeah, you so much, news.
1: Anastasia. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great Fourth of July.
0: Thanks. You all too.
1: Okay. Bye bye. Okay, well, I am going to bring our special guest online, Jill K. Thomas, author of *Tales from the Trance*. Hi, Jill.
2: Hi. How's it going?
1: It's great. We're so we're so glad that you're here tonight, uh, because you've written a really, really informative book and um, entertaining at the same time as educational, and I think really dispelling a lot of the misconceptions about hypnotherapy so um, before we get really started just tell me a little bit about you and uh, your you know your background your your upbringing your you know uh, obviously starseed trying to fit in so um, as we all do Mm
2: -hmm. so um,
1: tell us a little bit about how you came to be where you are now
2: well I started off in Arkansas I used to live in uh, in a little town called Garfield Arkansas if you close your eyes and you drive through town you'll miss it if you blink it's so small it's not even on most maps in the state. Uh, I lived there till I was about a teenager and my my father decided to move us all to uh, Southern California but I learned a lot about life from from being there because it's such a beautiful place I mean Arkansas is just amazing and the woods and you know you could see fairies and there was I once saw Bigfoot, but my father said it wasn't Bigfoot. He said it was a bear, but we don't have any bears where I was living. So anyway, that's a dispute between he and I. But <laughs> that was actually when I had my first kind of awakening. I'm not one of those people that has this near-death experience story, and I suddenly became awake, and suddenly I became psychic. I had always kind of been intuitive, and I'd always seen you know, people who didn't have bodies anymore. And uh, my family was not really encouraging of that type of thing. I'm sure some other people listening will will be able to relate to this, but I, all of my friends that I saw were suddenly called imaginary friends, but for some reason I could see them pretty clearly. I don't know. It's just because they couldn't see them doesn't mean they're not real, but right. um, it was, it was very much discouraged. And so, you know, like a lot of, probably a lot of your listeners, I suppressed it and it became much more important and valuable later on when I became a teenager and being a teenager is so freaking hard. So uh, yeah. when I moved out here and, you know, the hormones and all the weird stuff, I started to be able to get a sense of when when somebody was trying to date me maybe wasn't a good person or maybe had intentions that weren't so nice. The reason I bring that up, though, is because I know there's people listening right now who are ignoring their own intuitive information, and I want people to, to, to really tap in and listen to that more and because it's a hugely valuable tool. And if you, if you stuff it down and you ignore it and you pretend it's not there, you're missing out on some something really valuable that can change your whole life. Um, but I started with hypnotherapy when I was in high school, believe it or not. I, we had our grad night. I don't know if you guys have that out there. There was a hypnotist who was doing a stage show. And I thought this was the coolest thing on the planet because he's making all these really popular people do all kinds of stupid things in front of all of us. And I remember watching it and saying, I want to learn how to do that, (laughs) but it took a little while. I did read every book and watched every video I could on this topic, uh, but I learned what's called therapeutic hypnosis, which is very different than a stage show. And I did that as a career a little bit later on, but I was actually in sales for years and years and years, which is really very valuable skill because when you're in sales, you get to learn why people are doing what they're doing. and, And there's a lot of psychology that goes into that sales process. But I started my hypnotherapy business probably about 15 years ago. I was actually I've been doing it for maybe 20, more than 20 years. But, you know, 15 years ago, I realized that people will give me money for this. So I thought, that sounds pretty good. So I started doing it uh, on the side of my regular job, and then later on my regular job ended. So I started making this my regular job. It's fun.
1: So here I am. It's like, yeah, I mean, the most fortunate people, I think, are the ones that can do something they really love. Um, to support themselves um, rather than have to go do something else um, that you don't like. And yeah, when you get to combine those two, uh, it's, it's the best of all, all worlds.
2: I've done some um, things I didn't like. That's for sure. I will tell you that. I will tell you doing things that that I do enjoy is much better. If you get to choose, choose that.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you started working with, with clients, and um, why don't you, because you just brought it up, um, tell our audience how stage hypnosis differs from therapeutic hypnosis.
2: So I'm glad you mentioned this because this is something I really want people to understand. This The reason I really want people to understand this is because I get a lot of calls, particularly from engineer types, and I'm kind of an engineer type too, engineer types who think, They can't be hypnotized because the person who was choosing didn't pick them. The person who was choosing didn't pick them because they're not willing to stand up on stage and act like an idiot in front of a bunch of of strangers. Or they're they're introverted. Or they're somebody who's just not willing to do those things. Stage hypnosis is about entertaining, it's about getting the audience, giving the audience a good show. And they're intentionally going to pick people that are gregarious, that are going to go along with it, even if they aren't hypnotized. It's also very temporary. It's meant for you to just see them do something crazy and leave the stage and they're not hypnotized anymore. And then that's the end of it with therapeutic hypnosis. It's more like a guided meditation. It's done in a quiet space and somebody who's actually an engineer type, more introverted and more intellectual is actually more easily hypnotized than someone who's, who's a little more gregarious. I find personally, those clients are easier to to hypnotize. And it's more like a meditation where I have you get into a, a therapeutic hypnotic state, which is going to be you know, the alpha state and start to imagine life differently. So your unconscious mind does not know the difference between a real or an imagined event. So that's why if I have you imagine a world that's happy, that's free of fear, where there's a lot of money, you start to really feel that you're probably some of you listening are probably even feeling that now just having me describe that because your unconscious mind doesn't know if that's real or not so when we get into that relaxed state we can go and look for the things that are blocking you from having all of those things all of your little fears all the little limiting beliefs you may have created earlier on in life and change them into something more life enhancing very frequently particularly with money people have this belief that rich people are bad that's just one of the more common ones when you can get rid of that belief you open yourself up to having plenty of prosperity because the world the universe wants you to have plenty there's plenty out there. But it's just a matter of opening up to receiving it, if that makes sense.
1: Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Because and the and the universe, like the subconscious, doesn't know if you're pretending or if it's real. All they know is the frequent I mean, all it knows is the frequency that you're broadcasting.
2: Exactly. So it, you I love know, that. If
1: you if you imagine um, yourself prosperous then you just switched your radio channel, and that's what you're Mm -hmm. broadcasting, and then the universe sends you back a match for that frequency. And the same thing happens if you're feeling um, inadequate. It'll send you more situations to make you feel inadequate. So, yeah, absolutely. You have to um, have a handle on what it is that you're sending out, and your subconscious will do that kind of behind your back, won't it? Absolutely. I love it.
2: The one I like to see a lot of is is young women who seem to attract or draw in the same worthless guy over and over again. Um, They're sending out a, a frequency that says, hey, if you're somebody who's abusive, or if you're somebody who's emotionally unavailable, I know how to handle that because my dad was that way. Come to me, ask me out on a date. I'll probably say yes. And women don't even realize they're broadcasting that. And all of a sudden, they're calling someone like me because every the last five guys was basically the same worthless loser who had a slightly different last name or slightly different haircut, but it's basically the same guy. And I love how you put that because it, it is really broadcasting that antenna that says, this is what I'm looking for, this tuning fork, come and join me in my life.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, like attracts like. And if you are thinking in that vein, then that's exactly, uh, you're going to get a match for that.
2: Unfortunately. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, um any kind of patterns that are uh, repeating can be dealt with, with therapeutic hypnosis.
2: Absolutely. I love it when people actually have identified the pattern. A lot of times when they come in, they don't know what the pattern is and I help them see it because just the act of talking to someone else, that other person can sometimes see things that we can't see because it's right in front of us. So the, the example i just used with you know dating the same loser over and over again a lot of times the women can't identify exactly what the qualities of this person are but i can see it when they start to describe the same guy over and over again i can say oh okay well he's emotionally unavailable oh he he hates women or he doesn't respect you or he's narcissistic we're going to need to do some inner work with that client so that they can heal the reasons why they're drawing in or feeling more comfortable with that type of guy rather than the wonderful software engineer who's just going to adore them and give them everything they want. Right. Kind of like a silent dog whistle. It is. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yep. That's, That's a great way of putting it. It's sad, but it's true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I mean, I know we've all had friends that, that got stuck in that loop, but, um, there's always a solution if you can just reach out for it. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. This so, does not have to be a death sentence. This is easily, I mean, I would say easily. This is usually fixing that within a few sessions, usually depending on what caused it. That, I know that particular example, but there are other things that are even easier, uh, particularly money issues. Some of those are pretty easily cleared with just, a, just one or two sessions.
1: Yeah, I know. When when people have always thought, well, there's the rich people, and then there's me. When you put that division up there, um, and then you start getting an attitude, like you said, rich people are are you know they're they're bad, they're mean, they're they're unethical, or whatever you think that you you know you had somebody that was like that, and they just therefore everyone that has a lot of money is like that. That way, you can never manifest. When you've got that kind of judgment about people that have money,
2: you're you're right. And the thing is, there are some people that are that way. You know, there's always proof. Yes, you're right. There are some people who who are, are unethical who've done bad things, and that doesn't mean you're going to be like that. It, what I always tell people is, you want to start to see, be happy for someone who who just won the lottery, or be happy for someone who bought that Maserati. Maybe not a Maserati. It's not a great car, but be happy for somebody who got the brand new Mercedes. Let's get a better car, and instead of saying, "Oh, that's just that's not fair. I I deserve that," you know, you probably do, and maybe it isn't fair but be happy for them. You're going to get your own later, but you've got to start to shift that frequency and be grateful and be appreciative because even somebody who's ruthless and has a low morality, there may be something in their business model that you can use. That's, that's not of low morality or not of, of low ethics. There's always something you can kind of learn from that person that maybe you can bring in that will be the key that will help you create prosperity.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, I've, I've, done a lot of um, shows on this, on this topic, but it's just, I mean, it's as simple as choosing to uh, how you're going to think about something. I mean, changing your mind. Yeah. yeah, Changing your mind is free. (laughs) And, and you, and that's really the only thing that we have total power over. Uh, It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be grateful. And, and, you know, when somebody gives you something um, I, I just milk it. It's like, oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so grateful. This is so perfect. And, and oh, look at this. And, and I just go on and on and on about receiving and the gratitude for receiving. And when you send that signal out, it comes back with more good stuff.
2: I like that. That's a great oh, idea. Yeah. Very
1: good tip. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the lasso.
1: You go out there, you lasso what you want, and every time you feel grateful for it, it's coming a little closer and a little closer. So – um Um, let's get into some of these uh, deeper questions. So um, let's talk about fears and the, and the Mm -hmm. fears that you've been able to help people with.
2: So one of the most common fears, I think that, and this is the, the one that when I went to hypnotherapy school, I didn't, they didn't even talk about this, but the most common fear I work with clients on is actually fear of vomiting. And, it's not on any I never see it on any top 10 list, but it's probably the most common one I see, and on the core of that fear is the fear of losing control. And the reason I bring this up because it's one to talk about is that the fear of losing control is really the core of a lot of fears. When you're afraid of getting on a plane, it's fear of losing control. When you're afraid of driving on the freeway, it's fear of losing control. If you're afraid of even claustrophobia, all of those fears the real fear is that fear of losing control. And so sometimes when people go to a hypnotherapist and they just work on just the, what I call the symptom, which is you know, the fear of flying, for example, is a great one, then you're going to miss the bigger problem because those fears usually come in clusters. Very, it's kind of rare to actually see a client who comes in who just has one fear. They'll usually tell me they just want to work on their fear of riding in an elevator. And I say, well, tell me about your fear of flying. Oh, how did you know I had that? Oh, it's because everybody has that one if they have the fear of being in an elevator. You know, you want to look at the bigger picture because when you heal the underlying cause, when you actually are able to start hacking away at the root of these fears, you would be surprised at how many different ways those fears will manifest in somebody's life. But that one's a big one, that fear of losing control. So, you know, if you're listening, I want you to think about if you have that, that's a, that's one that's very core. It, it, it manifests as fear of flying, fear of driving, fear of elevators, fear of escalators, um, fear of, another odd one is fear of of going into like a restroom, like a public restroom where there's a door that closes and even sometimes fear of dressing rooms. Look at those kinds of things because if you have a fear of losing control, it's tough to have certain things show up in your life that are really good. Uh, you know, like being able to fly on a plane, you, you're not going to be able to go to Hawaii if you're not comfortable flying on a plane, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. So how do you,
1: um, how do you dig and how do you dig down to the, to the deepest root.
2: The first part is it starts in the pre-talk is asking the client a lot of questions, you know, because I know what to ask. Cause I've been doing this for a long time. So the client that comes in with a fear of throwing up, I ask them, uh, you know, about a times in their life when they felt like they were out of control. And a lot of times people can give me a time. Sometimes they can't. Other times you you'll find out where the other places it shows up and then you'll get some clues, uh, But what we'll do is we do something called regressive hypnosis where we bring somebody into a a deeper state of trance. And you want to look for, you actually give the suggestion to the client while they're in trance to look for the original cause of this feeling, just to tap into the feeling of losing control or fear of flying and kind of follow the chain back in time to where they first felt that feeling. Sometimes they find it right away. Sometimes it's a couple of sessions, but you want to go back to that original event look at it and also look and see if you created a, a belief system in that moment. Cause when you're in that, that traumatized state, let's say something bad happens, you might create a belief. And usually the belief is pretty ordinary. It's like, we'll never do that again, or this isn't safe. And that belief that something in particular isn't safe can be very limiting in that moment. It could be helpful. You're right. This isn't safe. A plane that's falling to the ground is not safe, but it can be very limiting later on when you're trying to do something else and you still have that core belief that something isn't safe and that feeling, that, that belief actually causes you to have the feeling amplified over time, over the many times that you've seen things bad, you know, bad things happen on TV. And it becomes bigger than it than the original event usually was, if that makes sense.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. It just, it it grows, it grows the more you feed it. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you, you keep adding, uh, I would think, it's like, well, it started off with this. And then you know it it was kind of similar to this. So then you add on another thing that is not safe. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I know I know exactly exactly what you mean. And and I've I've done that myself. Um, you know, it's like oh, don't ever do that again. That didn't work out well.
2: Right. You realize, like in the moment, that that's helpful, but later on, it can be very limiting. You know. And most of these fears, most of these limiting beliefs happen before the age of 10. So the worrying even of the fear itself or of the limiting belief is very juvenile. It's, that's not safe. We can't do that. That's not allowed. That's the one I hear a lot with clients. That's not allowed. Particularly with healers who are trying to do something metaphysical, like uh, I've become a tarot card reader, for example, or psychic reader. They have this they actually hear the words in their head that's not allowed because Mom or Dad or Grandpa told them that touching tarot cards meant they were going to go to hell, and so they have this belief system, and then when they start to step out into the world to do these these kind of alternative uh opportunities, they're still hearing that voice and feeling the fear echoing through time, only they can't identify that it's grandpa's voice that it's mom's voice, they think it's from them, and they don't know why it's keeping them from doing something outside of the norm but we need to be out there doing more things that are outside of the norm because the norm as as your friend who was reading the news has been saying the norm's not working you know we need to be doing more stuff
1: oh yeah 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 normal scares me yes <laughs> i would well, agree with that what is accepted is normal please save me from that mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, so yeah. And you know, a, a really wise person that I don't remember their name said you can never lead from the middle of the circle. Ooh, you I have like to be that. on the edge. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to be on the edge to lead. Well,
2: okay. I may have to share that. So,
1: yeah. So, um do you ha- um so you have different levels of of um hypnosis, you know, light, medium, and and deep. I don't know. Is that kind of l- the way it goes? for different applications
2: yeah it has to do with the the brain waves you can never tell when you're hypnotizing a person unless you actually hooked them up to a machine it's hard to tell what what level they're at but usually alpha is kind of the next of most relaxed state and and theta and delta are the really deep trance it's just in a few words it's essentially just having them go down more flights of stairs than if you if you want them to go really deep you're going to say Now you're walking down a flight of stairs. It's going to be 10 steps rather than five steps. I like to do a little bit deeper trance when I'm trying to work on on a fear uh, because it's a little bit easier to go back way back to age six or seven if they're a little deeper state of trance. But even a very light state of trance is easy. The audience that's probably listening to your show is probably going to be able to do a lot of work in even a very light state of trance because I'm assuming these people are a little more spiritually advanced than the average person. Uh, Absolutely. So imagine – so imagine if you're in a car and you start to feel this fear coming up, even if you're if you're just in the moment, kind of trace it back if you can, back to when this this started and and when have you felt this feeling before? And sometimes it'll take it it'll meander down a path that you don't expect it to. Maybe it's not actually fear of driving, maybe it's fear of being yelled at by your dad. You know, going back following it as far back as you can and then sitting in that moment of I understand that you're afraid, what do we believe is happening here and asking yourself what's going on? Having a nice conversation with little you, and creating a belief that's that's more flexible. It's okay to drive the car as long as we're not intoxicated. It's okay to drive the car. You know, allowing yourself to create a new set of belief in a flexible way that's more healthy. And you can do that in a light state of trance yourself. If somebody's really a good meditator, they can do a lot with self hypnosis. There's a lot you can't do, but with if somebody's a good meditator with particularly fears, you can get to a much more comfortable place with self hypnosis.
1: Well that's that's great. So sometimes um you have you you do regression therapy mm-hmm. and you get to the beginning of this incarnation and it's like, okay, um there was nothing there so then you have to go back into into past lives. And, past life and under regression peop-
2: therapy is different.
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish okay. Well that's I'm just I'm just saying are there are there cases where, you know, you you take a person back and at some point you determine that this is a carryover from another
2: life? That's a great question because usually you want to do, if it's a fear, which is a a most common one probably, there's always some kind of a part of it in this lifetime that you want to look at. Unless the person's afraid of getting their head chopped off by an ax, the fear has some little piece here in this lifetime that they can look at that we can clear. Uh, but if we do the emotional clearing on this lifetime and it doesn't really fix itself, you do want to do a past life regression because there may be a piece of it. A lot of times sort of, I call general fear, this, this general anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder is another one people get a lot of, GAD is the, uh, is the acronym, that can be very often a past life. And so if a person's open to it, I do like to do past life regressions. And you'd be surprised how often generalized anxiety is a product of somebody who was in the Holocaust, somebody who was burned at the stake, somebody that was lost their head in the, in the French Revolution, something like that. But usually there's a, a nice chunk of it here in this lifetime we want to clear first. And then before we start exploring the past life, but there's a lot, lot to be done in that past life regression therapy. But I always want to get the piece that's right here in this this lifetime first.
1: Yeah, well that makes sense. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna clean house, you start at one end and you work your way back, and then you just keep on going. Um, and that's I'm sure much a much more thorough way of approaching it. So what's um, the most important thing that people need to know about this um, past life regression therapy?
2: One of the things I really want people to understand is that it isn't the cure for everything. And I know somebody listening is like, no, that ruins it for me. People read Brian Weiss's book or Dolores Cannon's book, and those books are great. You should read them. They're awesome. And they think every problem that they have is a result of something in a past life. And that's, you know, there's seeds of it back there. But for me, a practitioner and, and somebody who does, past life regressions and regular hypnotherapy is that sometimes people use the past life as a way of of running away from the problems that are happening right now. If you are having a trouble in your relationship now in this current lifetime, there may be seeds in a past life, but we need to look at the patterns that are happening right here, right now, rather than going and running back to the time, medieval times when you were still having these same problems with the same partner and exploring that. It's always important for people to see what's going on right in front of them rather than running away. The other thing I want people to know is that you there's different types of past life regression therapy. They don't have names, but there's different types. I didn't personally know four different past life regression techniques. So, depending on what it is you want to know, if you want to go specifically and, and nose around in a past life and just want to look around and learn things, that's great. That's one way of doing it. Looking for a fear or a phobia is another thing. The other ones, the, the approaches that like Michael Newton um, and from the and also the Ravenheart Institute. the approaches that they take is more about going into the in-between lives after you do a past-life regression and understanding what it's like on the other side. So you want to be able to explore and ask if you're interested in getting a past-life regression done, ask the practitioner what types they do and what what experiences they should expect because I don't think people realize there's a lot of different ways to do this.
1: Well, yeah, and and it would – it makes so much sense to me because some, you know, people. It would seem to me anyway that if if there is a, a pattern that came from a past life, um, just like you know the woman who keeps picking the wrong man, if that was a pattern in another life and she gets to this lifetime and hasn't um, resolved that in the between space, then she's going to keep doing that until she figures it out. It's just another. It's an opportunity to learn. And if you don't learn, then you get more
2: opportunities. (laughs) It's not nice that way, isn't it? Yes, that's true. No,
1: it's not. It's not. I'd rather, you know, get it the first time and not have to keep, you know, going and doing it over and over and over again. So, Mm -hmm. um, but we do, I mean, uh, at least myself personally, I believe that we do reincarnate with the same clan, Uh, may not be exactly the same, but. Um, you know, from lifetime to lifetime, there's, there's like clans and they mm-hmm. come back and they do work together. So is this evidenced in your work as well?
2: Absolutely. I would a hundred percent agree with that. I would say my experience is that there's maybe three or four people that you pretty much always reincarnate with. You know, it could be your mom and your dad. Oftentimes your, your spouse, the partner you've got now is very frequently part of the main cast. And then there's the extended cast, which is probably 10 or 12 people that you almost always see, but you don't always see. Sometimes they play certain roles and then there's maybe another 30 people that you'll see a lot, but they're not every time, but there's always, there's every session I've ever done with a client. There's always maybe four people that just show up every, every time. And a lot of times it is the spouse or it's the child that that is your favorite child, or it is the parent that you adore and, or the great grandparent that shows up every single time in different roles. But yes, I would hundred percent agree with that. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that's why we'll end up connecting sometimes with a partner that's not really the best match for us because there's this instant, oh, I know him. And it's this memory, oh, I know this person, this recognition, oh, that was so great. And there's this, oh, feels like home. But that doesn't necessarily mean that person's supposed to be your spouse this time. Maybe they're just supposed to be a friend or maybe they're just supposed to show you something. And so I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think bad matches come from that sort of deja vu thing. I mean,
1: we had a a, a conversation, a, a friend of mine, about familiarity. And you meet someone for the first time, and they're so familiar. It's like, I know them from someplace. They're so familiar. But just because someone's familiar doesn't mean that they're good for you.
2: Absolutely. They're just, they're just familiar.
1: It's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this person killed me 100 times. And that's going to seem familiar. <laughs> yeah. But do you want to go there again? No. So, um, yeah, familiar is not always an indication that everything's going to be
2: hunky-dory. Well, that's why I love it when people use their, their more logical mind as well, because our feeling side can trip us up sometimes, because the feeling says, oh, I know this person, but the logical mind says, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he was on that list of people you really shouldn't hang out with anymore. You know, the logical mind says, I don't know, there's something sneaky. I don't know, he's not being honest. I'm not sure about, you know, you have to kind of go with both. And when people kind of override their logical self that says he's got a criminal record, we need to pay attention to that and go with, yes, but it feels so good to be around him. You know, I always tell people go with your, your feeling, but sometimes you do need to use your logical mind as well, if that makes sense.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a balance. Mm -hmm. Because you, you can't have all feeling and you can't have all logic. You've got to have That's that true. that balance, and there, and you have to know <laughs> when it's appropriate for which one. Uh, and yeah, a lot of a lot of people do make decisions on how they feel about something, um, but their feelings could could be um, uh, misconceptions that Absolutely. they have, and then and then they have a a feeling about that. Um, so, what about you had a, I, I was looking at the, the titles um, in your book. I went on Amazon and, and, and took a look at the chapter titles. And every one of them was like, oh, I want to read that. Oh, I want to read that. You have some really, um, I mean, they're entertaining. I mean, it's serious. I, like um, well, um, Strong Marine Scary Peacock. Was that oh, one of yeah. them? Yes,
2: yeah, that's yeah. a great story. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah he was. Do so, You want me to tell the story? Yeah, tell this story. Uh, He had called me up and he said, this man called straight and he said, I need to do an emergency appointment. Every time I hear that word emergency appointment, I'm, oh, my God, do I need to grab the suicide prevention line and tell them which number they have to call? Like, I don't know who's calling for an emergency appointment for hypnotherapy. And it was just that he was a local Marine and his friends were going to uh, Sandy Go Zoo. And he had this fear of peacocks where he would actually, whenever he saw one, he would scream. And, you know, it's fine when you're eight, but this guy was 22 and he was a Marine. He was going with other Marines. He was going to look terrible if that happened. So we worked <laughs> on that fear. And it turned out when he was a little kid, he had he was around a lot of peacocks and they were all really big and he was really small. But his habit of responding with this involuntary scream was still there. And his fear of these peacocks would cause them all to come flocking over to him. It was crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, is there actually peacocks at the zoo? I've been there a million times and I'd never seen peacocks, but sure enough, we did the work. He went and he had a great time. The peacocks left him alone, which was kind of unusual because usually they come fluttering over to him. And then a few weeks later, I went to the zoo and I'm looking around and there's, there's peacocks everywhere. And I had never seen them because I'd never, I didn't have this fear, but it was really interesting how this <laughs> adult still had this habit of screaming when he saw these peacocks and it was left over from his childhood. Oh, I, that, that just reminded me, if,
1: if I could just tell a quick little story here, when I was about oh, six or seven years old and I had finally permission to ride my bike to school. I mean, that was a coming of age. So it's like, okay, I'm a big girl now. I get to ride my bike to school. It was only two blocks, but still. And I went by the neighbor's house and they had a pet crow jim (laughs) and and jim was flying right beside me on the bike and then decided to land on my head and here's this crow on top of my head digging his claws in trying to hang on and i kept trying to like duck my head to to get out from under him and he hang on tighter and it's like (laughs) and then i'm and then i had a roommate that had a parrot and i was like oh no (laughs) what do i do (laughs) um you know i mean i'm I was able to deal with that. But it's, that stuff stays with you. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, if a bird starts flying at me, I'm going to duck, just like I did when I was six or seven.
2: <laughs> but I, you love, know what? If, I love if, birds. If we worked on that, what I would the approach I would take is and it would help you to see how magical that was. Because who has a crow laying on their head? Nobody has that. You got to have that experience. <laughs> Nobody gets that experience. How cool is that? That's magic. Yeah yeah that's part of that reframing that that you do when you start to change how you i mean even me describing it that way you feel differently about that imagine if you were in trans mm-hmm. and instead of feeling fearful you're suddenly feeling like this is the coolest thing ever who gets a peak i got a crow on my head nobody gets that you know
1: <laughs> yeah, i had a crow for a hat
2: <laughs> there you go yeah
1: but I could just imagine people looking out their windows, seeing this little girl riding down the street with the crow sitting on her head. I mean, yeah, you're right that that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> but he was a pet crow, so he probably, you know, had been sitting on other people's heads as well. But <laughs> that, the peacock story just reminded me of that. So, um, what are some of the other um, maybe interesting uh, things and stories that you've come across in uh, in in past life regressions, like you know, fairies and aliens or animals?
2: Ooh, I've had fairies, aliens, and animals. Which would you prefer? Oh, really? Let's start with fairies. Oh, yeah. I uh, I taken my past life aggression training, and i would never been warned that people could be – I was warned that people usually aren't animals in a past life, but I'd never been warned that people are fairies. And so the first time I hypnotized a person, and we went back in time to, you know, some original trauma she had, and she's telling me about – being a fairy and being in a field and being attacked by the farmer and she said originally that the farmer liked her and understood her and would bring her little offerings and but eventually the new farmer came in or his son came in i can't remember exactly the details and they were afraid of the the fairy because some a couple of animals had died not because the fairy had done anything but because they got sick And they had actually done some work to kill this particular fairy. And she said, normally fairies don't show themselves, but she had shown herself because she trusted this farmer. And and at that time in history, fairies weren't so feared as they are now. And it was really interesting to hear this because I'm sitting there thinking, normally kind of have a list of questions I would ask, and it usually is about tell me what's going on, tell me what's happening. And I was trying to understand what to ask because I don't know anything about fairy culture. So I was having to ask how long do they live? How do they die? And and things that were really interesting, but I just didn't know what to ask. I I was trying to think of what this particular client would want to know, you know, because usually I have a kind of a general understanding of history, which I had to kind of cultivate because when you're going back in time and looking at historical events with past life regressions, you kind of need to sort of understand where the person might be in history or in time, because they, they won't always be able to tell you, using our calendar. They'll use, they'll say, well, it's before this particular event or at this point in history, but they're not going to say it was 12,000 BCE all the time. They'll say that sometimes, but not always. But yes, that was amazing. It was fun. Wow. So
1: she, she decided to be uh, human this time.
2: She didn't. I asked her that when she we went to the in-between state and I asked her why she chose to be human. And she said that that was just her mission as a fairy was done and that she uh, this time she was supposed to be human and actually she'd have quite a few lifetimes as a human, but she was more interested in stuff with relationships. So I couldn't dig too much with that, but it was only her fairy, her uh, spirit guides that were explaining, you know, that the fairy thing was, was great, but she needed to be a human because there was some lessons she needed to learn as a human. This particular person was very, very sensitive though. She was very sensitive to the energies around her and i even had to turn off i had an ipod and i think it was putting off a little bit of electromagnetic energy and it was bothering her and that's it's kind of rare for somebody just to, to say that that electronic device in the far corner that that i don't even had forgotten was there was bugging her so it was interesting to work with her she was a neat client
1: yeah it sounds very like ener- energetically sensitive
2: mhm very so, much so um
1: and have you have you had sessions with people who described um, other planets
2: absolutely I have yes it's i've had a lot of people describing spaceships themselves. I had a client in quite a bit of detail talking about a past life where he was a scientist, kind of like Mr. Spock, on a ship, and he was this was his workstation, so he lived and worked on the space station and he was to explore other planets and they were looking at energetic fields and he was describing kind of the energetic fields around the earth, and they were studying that. And that was one of his jobs was to sort of understand the fluctuations of the energies that were going to Earth. Now, this was – I tried to get a timeline from him. It sounded like it was around 2,000 years ago, so it wasn't yesterday that he had been an alien on this ship just describing the Earth energies. But from clients I'd had later, it sounded like the same sort of things were going on – are going on now. So I've had clients who were describing locations that seemed somewhat Earth-like but not like Earth. and that That's always sort of interesting for me, but the body, they'll describe usually the body is just a little different or they're more intuitive. I hear a lot of times from people who are, go back and past lives and they're aliens. I get a lot of things like the communication is telepathic, or I'll hear it's all about love, or I'll hear frequently that they compare to what it's like to be on Earth, and they're really surprised at how Hard it is here, and how mean we are to each other, and how malicious and how vicious and violent we are here compared to the planets that they come from, so that's always interesting to hear, yeah, sad but interesting, <laughs> yes
1: yeah. it is we, sad. we are we are not um we are not as kind to each other as um as we will be one day, we just still have to get that lesson for a lot of people but we are in the shift i mean you listen to anastasia's news um and week after week you hear things about the earth changing and and tonight um she used a phrase about uh climate crisis rather than just change it's more than just a change because change could be something nice or something not nice but a crisis is never nice um and we are and and I'm certain that there are, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people here now that are, as starseeds, trying to trying to help that, and obviously have have been doing so for thousands of years. It's not just something that that's happened in the in the last couple of decades. So we have you can you can treat um, like irrational, unreasonable fears. Um, but people, um, I mean. Do you think that fear is kind of at the the base of most of the things you treat?
2: Fear is a lot of it. I I, I bring that one up because it, it's one of the things that holds people back a lot. Uh if somebody wants to become a higher level in their career and they're afraid of public speaking, but they're gonna have to give a presentation every week if they get this promotion, that's gonna keep them from even applying for this job. I fear is not at the core of everything. I feel like most of what I do involves patterns. Uh, unhealthy patterns, breaking patterns, but there's there's often a fear element with it, and when it is a fear when there's a fear element, we want to look at it because it it really can hold you away from having the things that you want in life. if you're wanting to be a scientist or an engineer, if you're afraid of failure, that's going to be a problem because there's going to be a lot of failure that's just part of the the job
1: right so, right in
2: fear of you know a lot of times though the main fear i think people when it comes to prosperity just as a side note. It's not fear of failure, it's fear of stepping out of the family of origin. So if you grew up, if anybody grew up poor, and I did, if you step into a prosperity level that's much higher than what you used to, than what your family's used to, there's a little bit of a fear there. Maybe they're not going to love me as much. Maybe they're going to ask me for more money. Maybe they're going to be wanting things from me that they didn't before. And it's also uncomfortable at this level, let's say you went from making 30000 a year to making 150000 a year, it's a whole different set of friends, it's a whole different set of problems you might not be familiar with. And so I think people's fear of this sort of unknown and this new level is one of the things that keeps people back in their career especially. But it, it frequently, sadly enough, has to do with the family of origin being afraid of stepping out of the norms that are expected of you in that level.
1: That's an interesting term. I hadn't heard that before, family of origin, uh, mm-hmm. which is just you know, basically your roots and 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 i have often said that uh people always go back to what they know Mm -hmm. you know what they're familiar with what they know what what you know and stepping outside of that they might do it for a little while and a lot of people just they got to go back to to what was familiar not because it was wonderful but at least it was familiar and i was like well that's pretty sad um and what about um I mean, we've talked a lot about prosperity, but um, people that have a social anxiety—more mm, than, than just public, yeah. more than just public, more than just public speaking—but just almost, you know, debilitating um, to be in a social situation.
2: I, when I saw that movie, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. Forty-year-old virgin. I laughed because I get a lot of forty-year-old virgins in my office you know, software engineers, scientists, people that are more introverted who it just never happened for them to have relationships because they have all this social anxiety. That's a big deal. And if you have that problem, please get some help because there's it's the, the reason I say this it's because it's such an easy fix. I mean, literally one or two sessions and you are going to be much more comfortable. I'm not saying you're going to be the life of the party. If that's not your personality, it's just not going to happen. But you can get to a place where you feel comfortable enough to ask someone on a date, to make a new friend, to be at a party and, and enjoy it. Maybe not. Maybe it's not your favorite thing to do, but to be able to function socially. But I highly encourage anyone who has that to get help because it, it's debilitating and Honestly, it is just one of the easiest things to clear, and I do that all day long. And it's so quick to get rid of it. And I just hate to see somebody suffer with something that's just so easy to fix. If that makes sense, that one bothers me. Oh,
1: oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even um, um, well, a prosperity or lack of prosperity, that's easy to fix too. But a lot of when it comes to like money and possessions, it seems that uh, a lot of people. Are really fixed, and it's like you know, if you could just change your mind, you can change your bank account. I agree, uh, but well,
2: people get in their head that that's not that that's not possible. That it can't be fixed, or that going to hypnotherapist for social anxiety is just too woo woo for them. You know, it, it's asking for help. Is hard for somebody who's who's got social anxiety admitting that they have a problem. Even people getting people to even talk about their financial situation, particularly if there's any kind of debt, that's that's like pulling teeth. Even in my own office, where they've paid me for my time, you know, sometimes uh-huh. it's really embarrassing and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward. But but know that if you can get past that, you can really heal it, and it doesn't have to be a, a lifelong sentence. If that makes sense.
1: Right. Well, it does. Um, I, just, I just saw a, um, a text here from one of our producers uh, with, a, with a question. So is it okay if I um, yeah. ask a question yeah. from her? Okay. Yeah. So um, with the, with the g- regressions that you've mm-hmm. done, um, is the, the overall um, result or theme about raising a vibration –
2: that's a great question, because that is absolutely what's happened, when I, especially when I have them talk to their spirit guides, because people always want to know, what is my life purpose? And nine times out of ten, keeping in mind that the kind of person that's going to come for a past life regression and spend three hours going into deep trance to understand themselves, they're already spiritually pretty advanced anyway. But what I'm hearing over and over again is that they are here to heal the planet, that, they, that it's a mission they agreed to. That when they got here, they didn't realize it was going to be this hard, but they agreed to do this and their intention is to help to bring the vibrational frequency of the planet up higher and to help disseminate love. Usually it's not an essay. It's usually simply, I want, I'm want. i here to help people learn about love or I'm here to help people learn about themselves. And the how, oftentimes the person who comes to the earth gets to choose how but the ultimate mission is about bringing, raising the vibration and raising the consciousness level. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. I just didn't realize how awful people are. I just didn't realize how difficult of a challenge this would be. And I think some of these beings from another planet, inter, interplanetary beings are a little naive when they get here, they think, oh, I'm going to be able to help people and this would be great. And I agreed to this mission. What a special honor. And they get here and it's this, stinks like this is hard here and very frequently i will hear that from people but yes absolutely more and more beings are incarnating on this earth who originated from a different planet and they're here to raise the vibrational frequency and just get comfortable because there are aliens among us you might even be one of them and it's going to be just fine yeah just fine (laughs) yeah
1: yeah well there's there are star seeds all over the planet Mm -hmm. i mean Millions and millions and millions. And, you know, we just have to hold steady. And even though the third dimension um, is harsh and people are nasty and judgmental, um, there are as many people who are beautiful, um, loving, kind, compassionate, but they're not on TV that
2: much. That's true. That's kind of sad, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and I, I, when I walk my dogs at night in the neighborhood and a lot of people you can see in their living room, it's, you know, the TV's on, the TV's on, the TV's on. And you get a sense of the, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, it's like an insidious um, web of feeding people with with television misinformation and, mis you know, misconceptions. Fake news. Mhm. Uh, yeah, and it just, it, and it's part of our job here to just ignore the fake news and love them anyway.
2: Well, I love anyway. what, what she said in the very beginning of the show about the Dalai Lama story. When he, when she reads the quote, to me, it's obvious he's joking. And love the, but it, isn't it interesting how the media took this beautiful message about yeah, next one needs to be prettier than me? Yeah, you take know, this beautiful joking message from this higher level being and turned it into something ugly and anti feminist and tore him apart. And here's someone who's really wants to help the planet. So I love what you just right. said about how we're just not seeing those people on TV. This is one of the reasons why.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, when she and she quoted him directly. Um, I just hope she's more attractive, not than other women. I mean, I, I inferred than, than him. He was he was, yes, you know, right? Um, joking about himself. Hope they're prettier than me, but right. that's not what he said. Um, he just said, I hope they're more attractive. He just didn't add the, than me, but that's what he meant. And mm-hmm. it's like, geez, oh man, you know, uh, the media will they'll just. Try to sensationalize everything. That's why I keep my TV off like twenty three hours a day. You're so, smart. Um, yeah. Well, it just—I mean, the marketing. I mean, talk about you know subliminal getting down into your subconscious. Marketing is—it's <laughs> the devil, you know. Um, I would and, agree and, with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they—they—they—they they, they, they try to. Uh, get you to believe something so that they can have your money. And, I think uh, yeah.
2: what I see with a lot of times, and I, I'm firm believer that this weight loss problem is really one of the reasons it's so insidious is because it's going after women It's targeting after women. So if we make women feel bad about themselves, because marketing companies have figured out that 95% of purchases are made by women. So how do you get women to buy more stuff? You make them feel really bad about themselves for being overweight because those, Women who feel insecure, they're going to buy more perfume, they're going to buy more weight loss supplements, they're going to buy more Lululemons because they want to go to the gym more to work out. I really see this whole campaign against women, this fat shaming. I see it as a very feminist issue where company marketing companies are using this as an actual tool to get women to buy more stuff, and it's working. We're buying it. We're getting into it. I mean, I, I am in the weight loss industry, so I buy every diet book that comes out, but you know, if you really look at the way these companies are marketing, it's all about trying to get girls and women to feel bad about themselves starting at a very young age and that they need these X, Y, and Z products in order to fix that. Otherwise, they're not going to be happy or not going to be pretty. And we can't, we can't fall for it. We can't. It's too easy to fall for it, but we, we can't. We've got to teach our girls better than that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and it goes beyond just, you know, um, a person's weight. You know when they you see pictures you know on the in the grocery store checkout you see these airbrushed pictures with flawless skin and and perfect hair and it's like you think they're walking around like that every day no no but but that they're setting a an unreachable an unreachable um role model uh, image if that's what you want to call it but it's just, i mean it's the same thing. You need to buy our face products because you're not pretty enough, or you're not skinny enough, or your your hair isn't uh, shiny enough. <laughs> yeah, and you I mean, yeah, women women really control
2: the purse strings. We do. Ninety five percent of all purchases are made by women. Did you guys know that? I bet you guys didn't know that. I'd I looked it up. I, because... I knew it was up there, but no, I did not know it was ninety five it's 95 and i they, the 5% is very free, sadly very frequently a car um, that's not and it's not in terms of dollars dollar wise i think men cuz they tend to purchase the higher price point products in that in the household it mm-hmm. gives credit to the guy but 95% of the purchases the general day to day buying the soda buying clothing that those purchases originate from the woman's credit card so we have a lot of power but if we allow marketing companies to have power over us by accepting this idea that we're not good enough as we are, then we're giving them our power. We may as well just hand over their credit cards because that's, that's what they're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, disempowerment
1: Mm -hmm. is, is planetary.
2: It's a big deal. The,
1: the, the 1%, if they can disempower the 99%, they can stay in power and control everything. So, um, Well, I I just want to ask um, our audience for a moment, if if you're listening to the show and you have um, a general question for Jill, you can call in at 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. If you're already on the switchboard, then just press 1 if you have a question. But uh, make them more general questions, please. So... um, We'll see if anyone has a question, and we'll continue. Um, any other topics that we haven't touched on that you would like to?
2: I think people – I love what you just said about the marketing because I, I want people to realize that if you if you watch TV, not just, just putting the commercials on mute isn't good enough anymore. Watch the commercials on mute sometime and you can see what I'm talking about. They figured out if they put a lot of visual popping words into the screen, that even if people like you and I put it on mute because we want to watch the Tour de France and we don't want to see the commercials, these imagery will still stick in your head. And so – you know, you just watch it. If you're listening to the radio, you don't want to go shopping right after. I I have a satellite radio, so I don't have to listen to commercials. I'm lucky. But I I noticed that when I would be driving and I was listening to regular radio, I might hear commercial for Doritos and then suddenly that's what I wanted. And you have to pay attention to that because those images and the way they're doing it is very subtle. It's it's not hypnosis, but it, it put plant seeds in your head. And you just have to be aware of it as the buyer because you know, Americans are, are getting more and more overweight and we're getting more and more unhealthy. And it's part of it is become because we're eating these addictive foods, but the idea that if we eat these foods and they're gonna make us happy, that's coming from the marketing companies themselves. And that's those seeds are getting planted in our media. So paying attention to that is really important.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that happiness doesn't come with a wrapper.
2: Not usually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not usually <laughs>
1: Yeah. Or in a bag, um, and it's just it's just so temporary. And then they put you know all the additives in there to make you addicted, so you can't just eat one. You got to eat whole bag. I love
2: that. Yeah, there's a great book if you guys are interested on how they did it because I was I was fascinated by this too. It's called Salt, Sugar, Fat. I can't remember the name of the author. Somebody is right now listening to the radio and screaming the name of the author at the at their marketing <laughs> device, but he He talks about in exactly how they did it, and using the scientific research and how they researched the the special additives that needed to go into the food products to make us addicted to them and it's It's really interesting they put companies that put a lot of energy in figuring out what substances make us addicted and If you read the book, you'll learn how they did it It's fascinating stuff. I was fascinated because I thought if it wasn't so diabolical, all these people would have gotten you know, awards for this stuff and all the research they put into it. But, yes, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. So, you know, paying attention to that, just realizing that there's a bigger picture going on, which your audience already knows because they're listening to a show about starseeds. So, yeah, they know that stuff.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, I just, I did
1: a show a few weeks ago um, called Starseed Booby Traps and Mm -hmm. food additives, um, MS Jeep in particular, uh, and they've learned how to hide it and they don't have to put it on the label because the FDA gave them an out. Um, so you can you can eat something, and if it just, my God, I have another one of those. You better be suspicious, you know, if it's if it's irresistible. Because yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, well, oh, we could go on and on and on about our food supply and how it's making us sick, and then they give us pharmaceuticals for something that shouldn't have been there in the first place. So, go organic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the food one is an issue for me in my industry because I, I do work with a lot of clients on weight loss, and these women will come to me, and very frequently it's women crying and saying that they feel like they're complete losers because they can't lose the weight, and all this time not realizing that they've been addicted to foods intentionally, made, been made addicted by the foods that they're eating and it's it's not their fault I mean we're working on we we can work on the emotional aspects of overeating and emotional eating but but to some extent, when people are feeling like such failures because they can't drop those ten pounds, they're just not paying enough attention to the fact that the foods that they're eating are actually causing them to become addicted to more and more of those food substances, and to some extent, there's not a lot they can do about it, except just don't eat them That's the only way you can do it. That's the only way to end that cycle.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you you can get creative uh, because, I mean, I stopped eating wheat about three years ago after we had a guy on the show talking about gluten and what it really does to your body. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So that was just it. I quit. And it's like I haven't had a slice of bread or wheat ever since that show. Um, But it's like, oh, man. And, and I mean, who doesn't love pizza? Uh, But it's like, yeah, can't have it can't have it, you know it's wheat, it's gluten, it's you know m s g it's all these things, and just not going to do it, and I thought well, what if I invent my own? so I actually found a website that sells um gluten free buckwheat it's organic huh. and um and I got you know organic mozzarella and organic tomato sauce and organic mushrooms, and dang, that was pretty good, and it really hit that, that spot, and i didn't have to feel you know bad um because if a pizza just doesn't agree with me, regular pizza, not only, one, I mean.
2: One thing yeah, I think I'm... is important too with this, because I work with a lot of healers uh, as clients, because people who are interested in hypnotherapy, a lot of times they're they're healers, in, in, whether they're working in the healing arts or not. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are that, is that our bodies work differently than most people. It's almost like having a Porsche. With a Porsche, you have to have special oil. You have to have special, even wiper fluid is different with a Porsche everything is different about a poor So if you're a healer, whether you're working in the healing arts or whether you're just someone that's disseminating healing energy in general, you're going to have to have a better diet. And we are just like you said, I love it about the gluten sensitivity. When you're a healer, you really have to be aware of the types of foods that you're putting into your body, because we have more food allergies than the average person, particularly beings that are interplanetary. They're coming here from another planet. They tend to have mm-hmm. so many freaking food allergies. It's amazing. And it's just because that, that soul is having trouble with this, this kind of physical body that we've been given. But, yeah, anyone working in the healing arts, you have to be a lot better about your diet. It has to be a lot more fruits and vegetables. And watching anything that's processed that comes out of a plastic bag, you just have to be aware. It's not good for us necessarily.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I read a book on nutrition a, a little bit ago, and, and it said when you go to the grocery store, only shop the perimeter. Don't go in the middle because there's nothing in there that you want. That's a good, that's all a good the, strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 uh, produce and and you know live products, uh, they're not going to be in a can or a box. So you know, <laughs> just shop the perimeter of the store. But yeah, I mean, eating eating clean um, has has really helped a lot of people. And 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 chemical sensitivity, a lot of star seeds. Very, I mean, everything from from you know topical skin things to um, walking into a building where they've had, you know, pest control. Um, a lot of starseeds are really, really hypersensitive to chemicals because it's they're, they're just like a, it's a very, I mean, chemicals have a very, I think, low frequency or something that, or or abrasive frequency at, at least, that um, starseeds just can't tolerate it. That
2: makes sense. I don't hear a lot about chemicals when we do past life regressions with clients, but I do hear a lot about diet because frequently the client coming in when they're doing a past life regression, they want to know about why they can't eat eggs or why when they eat corn, they feel sick. And the spirit guides will frequently tell them your body is just not wired for that. It can't handle those foods. And I hear over and over again, not just gluten that you really shouldn't be eating grains in general, um, but specifically wheat. I, very frequently, actually it's kind of rare to have a client ask that question about their diet and not have the spirit guide tell them that they really shouldn't be eating wheat, so I would say none of us really should be eating it right now yeah, well today 's wheat is not
1: what it what it originally was. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of our grains are junk they've all been genetically modified and pesticide and i mean they're unless they're you know strict organic um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't eat maybe corn. I like corn, but you know, if it's Franken corn, I don't really think it's gonna it's gonna help me. So, well, we are just um, just about ready to to wrap up. If you have any other point that you'd like to make, uh, now would be the time.
2: Um, I just want people to know that there's help for you. If you've got a problem or a challenge, don't let it be something that that keeps you back for your whole life, get get some help, even if it means a little bit of an investment in, in money and time, continue to do the healing process, even if it's just you want to increase your intuition, pay attention to that and and seek help. Because when you're working on the level of the unconscious mind, you're really working on the programming code that's running your computer. So if you think about a, a programming code, if you could actually get into that code and make some changes, you can heal just about anything in your life. And that is a tool that you can use with hypnotherapy. If you're interested in it, you know, learn about it more. If you're interested in past life regression therapy, maybe consider doing it for a living. It's fun. It's so much fun. I would love to see everybody listening, get a chance to do something that they're passionate about and looking in the level of the unconscious mind and healing those unconscious programmings is going to be the main key to success with anything that you do in life. And I really encourage people to do that.
1: Oh. Absolutely, and and you know nip those patterns in the bud, because if they go on for most mm-hmm. of your lifetime, then then they could they could manifest in the body. Absolutely. And then yeah, and then you have to deal with uh a, a, you know medical conditions. So yeah, you got to nip it in the bud. Well, Jill, this has just been so interesting and and informative and enjoyable uh, speaking with you, and I, I just can't can't believe that it's you know. <laughs> the time has flown by so much, but that's the mark of a good guest and uh, we'd love to have you come back on at some point in the future, especially if you have some new project that you would like to um uh, promote just you know let us know because we like to help um, star seeds and band together and
2: and help each other. I would love to it was so much fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. And uh, once again,
1: your website is soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. And if you put a, a slash uh, uh, forward slash blog after that, you can also um, keep up with Jill's blog. And um, your book, Tales from the Trance, is your newest book. And you know, when I saw it published by Ozark Mountain, I thought, that's in Arkansas. And
2: that's, that's where we is. go.
1: Yeah, We go to Arkansas four times a year. For the energy that's that. there, yeah, yeah. And then um, you, your um, your very well known and popular weight loss books feed your real hunger, and those are um, on your website as well as Amazon mm-hmm. and other mm-hmm. other outlets. So um, everybody, you know, check it out. Look at, at Jill's website. It's a really beautiful site with lots of great information and um and help and do you um you people um come to you physically for sessions
2: yes i can do in person and over the phone um people ask me sometimes if it's if in the, over the phone is just as good and it is it's actually better in a lot of ways because the person's in their own space and they're comfortable but i do see clients in my office in Encinitas, california if you're ever down in southern california come visit me um but i also work with people o- over the phone and, and remotely all over the world basically Great, great.
1: Well, thank you so much for your generous time with us, and uh, we look forward to meeting you and and talking to you again in the future.
2: Thank you. Okay. Good night, Jill. Good night. And
1: good night, everyone. We'll be back next week, and uh, Lavendar will be here in two weeks. And until then, make an effort to find compassion and gratitude every day because that is the door to living in 5D. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.